Hello and welcome to the Ripples in Space podcast. I'm John Davis. And I'm Kate Reagan. So we haven't done a podcast in a little while. Um, part of that is because apparently uh, the world and uh, the U.S. has shut down for a while. Uh, I've definitely been off for about 20 days. Well, not off, but apparently there's no work to be had. So, um, yeah, but we're doing good, and obviously people are still writing, so that's great, and they're still sending us stories, so that's also great. Um, thank you to everybody who submitted to our spring 2020 selections. We're reading through those right now, and thank you to everybody who keeps submitting to the podcast. Uh, we have a story coming up for you that Kate will be reading, and I will do the introduction. So, thank you for joining us. Michael Wetzel is a self-published writer. He has written the best-selling Pied Piper of the Undead Zombie series and the forthcoming Outlaw books. He lives in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley in the heart of Western Virginia. Little Glow is a flash fiction work that is a bit of a homage to John Scalzi's Old Man's War. He hopes you enjoy it. Little Glow by Michael Wetzel Gerald watched the last three suns begin to duck behind the horizon. It would be dark soon. That meant a huge temperature drop. That meant coldness, which meant surefire death. He would be an icicle in under an hour. Not that it mattered. The Dreggers would have him before then. He checked the Thermia suit. It was only good for about negative 80 in the cold. The nights on this stupid planet tended to get to negative 180 easily. So stupid, this place. All it turned out to be was another planet of hell. Even with the damned cold, hell was hell, no matter the temperature. He knew it would be. After leaving Hermes 3, the squad had checked the details on the next scuttle. Rocky planet, the sheets had said. Frigid temps. Dregger camps dug in. Crap. Pure stink pile of crap. In all his 68 years, had Gerald never experienced anything as shitty as the 222nd Legion's Corps. Be legendary, the tagline had promised. Retirement is unnecessary, was the follow-up. He didn't care about the retirement. He knew it would just be years of boredom and cheap beers until he finally died. What had intrigued him about the Corps was the damn money. Serve five years past the retirement age and bank a quarter ledger of credits. Hell yes. No boredom then. He could actually go to Sunspire and bask on the purple sand beaches. Maybe get some tail. Who the hell knew? And now look. Here he was getting ready to freeze to death. Or worse yet, shot in two by Dreggers just like the rest of the squad. He spat on the gravel. He picked up the Plaz rifle and checked the charge. He had enough for three more shots, but that was it. He looked across to the small crater where Polsky's hand was sticking up. Polsky was lying somewhere at the bottom of that hole, probably in bits and pieces. On the other side of the crater, Lawrence's brains were splayed across a large gray rock. Lucky bastards. They didn't have to sit here waiting for the inevitable. They got to go quick. There was none of the anticipation or nerves or any of it. Gerald moved his fingers, trying to get the blood going. They were starting to harden from his grip on the rifle. He wanted to get up, 
but he knew if any part of him became visible behind the rock, the Dreggers would open fire and he would lose pieces of himself. He wasn't really ready to lose pieces of himself yet. So he tried to move around as much as he could to allay the cold. Gerald shuffled his boots back and forth, twisted his neck around and around, but nothing helped. The temperature drop was too much. He reckoned he had about another thirty minutes or so before the cold finally took him. Of course, it would do nothing to the Dreggers. They were protected by their carapaces and outer endoskeleton. The damn things were pretty much tanks, immune to almost anything. Except for that small opening on them where their faces peered out. These recessed spaces on the top of their armor. They had no necks, just a small helmet head that sat on the top of a thick body with thin arms and legs swiveling about. They looked like walking cockroaches. Gerald sat back, pushing himself up against the large rock, trying to conjure up some sort of friction or heat to stave off his impending death. After this proved a failure, he hunched down further into his battle suit, trying to cover most of his face. He managed to get everything underneath the plastic felt except his forehead. Well, screw it. The cold could have his forehead then. God, he needed a bath. The stink of his undershirt was thick. He had not bathed in over three weeks, had not changed shirts in over, but he kept his face covered and tried to think of himself somewhere else. Sophie immediately came to mind. Gerald cinched his eyes even tighter, trying to ignore his shivering arms and tried to pull the memory of her into his head. Mint. He could almost smell it, wanting to soak it up and chase away the stink of himself. Sophie at the stove making mint tea. She made a super strong version of mint tea. He remembered the first time he had tried it. He almost fell over in his chair. But after 22 years of marriage, he had gotten used to it, loved the freshness of it, missed it greatly. Sophie wore a summer dress and the windows were open above the kitchen counter. This was when they lived in the small cottage in Vista Bank. She had loved that house but he had gotten a new job in the city. They had only lived there for two years. He remembered his first day at the new job. He was not used to the bustle of the city and ended up getting lost. It wasn't good to be late on your first day, especially working security at a huge robotics firm. He was chewed out by a supervisor and finished that day stressed out and depressed. He arrived back at the little apartment in despair, but Sophie was there with a fresh cup of tea. She had made a delicious dinner, and afterwards they had gone upstairs and made love. While the cold slowly killed his body, he fought to keep the memory of her warm skin in his mind. But he couldn't hold it, and his thoughts shifted, and all he saw were the bombs dropping on the city. The airships had arrived over the skyline only months after they had moved in. The explosions shook their apartment, and when they ran outside, they were dropping so many of them falling from the sky. The preams had attacked from across the sea, and everything was on fire. Sophie died there. He forced it away, did not want to bring up that one. She died under the wrath of the bombs. The memory of mint tea turned into chem five and smoke and blood. Gerald thrust his face from his shirt and breathed in the freezing air. His hands were blocks of ice. 
He began to move the fingers, trying to work them back into shape. The ache was almost insurmountable, but he pressed on until he could feel some heat in his fingers and was able to move them. He twisted his head around to look across the fields. Where are you, you bastards, he thought. Come get this over with. I'll be damned if I'm going to die sitting here like this. He scanned his surroundings, trying to decipher any movement in the growing darkness. The darkness turned back to the bombs flashing, exploding, debris falling, people screaming. He remembered the children singing in the streets after the first attack. He remembered staying in the apartment and not moving for days, lost in mourning, wanting Sophie. Now the past was coming quicker and quicker. It was a staccato of laser pulses slamming into his mind, punching his boss, blood on the streets, the hangings, the dregger setting fire to the moon, the pream truce. It all came raining down on him at once, like the bombs that had taken his Sophie. Gerald gritted his teeth and pressed his forehead into the muzzle of the rifle. He took a deep, steady breath, trying to calm his nerves so that he would not start to panic. Slowly, he realized he wasn't cold anymore. There was a feeling of numbness growing in his chest. He recognized it right away. This numbing and him, they were old friends. Usually, he knew it as anger, sometimes despair, but it was always there. And now, it fought against the encroaching cold. He was tired of this. He was tired of waiting to die. He lifted himself slowly from the ground, hefting the rifle in both hands and peeked over the rock formation. Across the flat, about a hundred yards away, was where the dreggers were. He saw no movement, and it was too dark to make any shadows across the slate surfaces that surrounded them all. I'm not going to sit here and freeze to death while those things sit there all nice and comfy. If I'm going out, I'm not going alone. He forced himself to stand, his knees screaming in pain. He pushed himself against the large rock and checked the rifle again. Three shots. Three shots. Three shots and then the laser knife. Go out fighting. Take some of the bastards with you. Maybe you will get lucky and they will kill you before you even finish the run across. Gerald glanced quickly out again. He stepped out and started to run. He heard the kids singing again, but could not see them. He smelled the mint tea again, but could not taste it. He felt warm again, but only darkness covered his eyes. On a planet, millions of light years from where he called home, he bled out silently on the flat, rocky surface. The cold was blistering, but Gerald only felt the warmth. It was a comfort. The little glow. And that was Little Glow by Michael Wetzel, which... Um, for only being four pages long, definitely conveys a lot of feels and emotion. It was very sad reading this for the first time. 
and then trying to embody what this poor man is going through as he reflects on his life. Reminded me a little bit of, uh, I believe it's called The Grey. I think it's Liam Neeson fighting wolves in like Alaska or something. And it's like him on his own with like broken bottles and like, I don't know. You kind of like those stories where it's like man versus the elements by himself. I like them anyway. So thank you again, Michael, for sending this to us. Um, as always, we like to invite our listeners that if they also write to submit works to us at ripplesinspace.com, be sure to keep track of what we're up to. Um, we really should be better about social media stuff, especially because, I mean, what else are we supposed to do right now? Like, can't really go out, can't, can't go to work, so we should be on social media <laughs> doing things. Yeah. But uh, if you feel like it, you can follow us at. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And as always, on our website at ripplesinspace.com. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. And we will see you, hopefully, next week. From all of us here at Ripples in Space, cheers from the void. Later. <laughs>